You may remember we've been looking at true happiness as possible uh, through suffering initially, but then also through serving. And uh, as a little bit of review, and it's in your notes, uh, that as we look back at the beginning of Philippians 2 and the requirements to be focused of our position in Christ and all the blessings that we have in Him, and as we think about our position in Christ, that should be like a strong magnet that helps all brothers and sisters be unified in Him. And as we then remember that we are a part of a body of Christ, this isn't a solo journey, this is a group you know, journey that God designed that way, and as we are part of the body of Christ, then as we humbly are serving Christ together, uh, God will use us in a special way. We've looked at Jesus Christ, the best model ever for sure, no sin whatsoever, and a perfect model. But then also in this chapter, God has given us several other men uh, to look at and to model our lives after. And it reminded me a little bit of, of how just human tendency is to um, imitate things. And I'm going to we're going to kind of age you a little bit in what you may remember. How do you remember, this was when I was younger, when members-only jackets were the thing to have? I mean, you, if you had a members-only jacket, a couple of you raise your hand. All right. Members-only jacket, those, those were the thing to have. And you were in style if you had a black zip-up, members-only little tag right here jacket. Those were cool. How about starter jackets, big puffy the, the teams, you know, on the back of the starter jackets. Anybody? Josh remembers that one. Matt, I got you too. All right, fantastic. Now, what about the, the and this has come back in style, but what about the peg pants? Okay, you, you do like this and you roll them up, and that's back in style in some places, right? Anybody? So styles kind of come and go, and if you live long enough, usually you'll see them kind of go out of style, and then normally they'll kind of rotate back through, a little bit different sometimes, but usually you see some of those styles come back through, like, you know, pleated pants, flat front pants. Uh, my history teacher, he always wore flat front pants, even when they weren't in style. And at the moment I thought, you know, that old man, you know, he just doesn't know anything. But then eventually... I started wearing flat front pants, and his pants didn't look so weird anymore. And, but now, you know, we were in, a, in a, a mall recently, and there were pleated pants on models, you know. So things come, come in and come out, and uh, Dad had some, I'm just going to tell you flat out, they were ugly, ugly ties that he wore years and years ago. Fat, big old fat ties came back in style, and my older brothers, I don't know that I ever did. I, I, just, I didn't want to get to that point, but my older brothers started borrowing some of those old fat ties to wear. But of course now it's not the fat ties, it's the skinny ties. And when I was in high school, the skinny ties were in. Leather ties, any of you wear leather ties? And Matt's like, nope, you, you lost me there. So we, we have all these types of things, you know, types of jeans even, probably even in our congregation here, we've got different types of jeans that you've got low-waisted, high-waisted, mom jeans, you know, uh, ripped up jeans, ugly jeans. You've got all kinds of things. And why do these things become popular? Well, normally, someone in our circle of influence, whether it's someone that we admire on you know, TV or somebody else that we admire that we think maybe has more money than we do or more popular than we are, begin to do things... And initially, we might look at that and go, oh, that's ridiculous. No way. 
Um, but then eventually, as that kind of goes and it becomes a trend and, and things, you know, the stores uh, follow that every season. Typically, the big retail stores will bring in clothes for the next season. They follow the latest, you know, fashions and styles. And so it, eventually, many of us will kind of go along because we have seen it modeled before us. And we don't want to be left out. So our human tendency is, well, okay, I think I'll adopt and I'll start to wear those types of things as well. So as you look back at pictures, this has happened to every single one of you. Don't pretend that it hasn't. But as you look back at maybe old yearbook pictures, sometimes you may think, how ridiculous I look. Some of our kids even look back at pictures and they go, Dad, Mom, why did you allow us out of the home wearing clothes like this. I'm like, no, you're really cute. You know, you really were. Really? But we do that because why? We are modeling what we see in other people. God has given us, in Philippians chapter 2, several men that we can look at their life. They weren't perfect. Paul wasn't perfect. Timothy wasn't perfect. Paphroditus wasn't perfect. But they were men who loved God and left us an example to follow. And I hope we'll be challenged by that this morning. We've already looked at Jesus Christ uh, let's look at Paul and what uh, you know, he showed for us. And, and hopefully as we then model these men, we will be influencers to our culture, to those in our circles of influence. Here in Kennesaw, other side of the city, but there's a church called Influencers Church. And we as a church should be influencers. You may say, oh, hey, Pastor David, no, I'm not. I don't want to be a model. You know. No, you don't have to be a model. You don't have to go on ridiculous diets to have that perfect body or, or wear the latest fashions. But you and I should be influencers for Jesus Christ. And Paul certainly was. Let's look in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 17. We see that he joyfully lived out God's plan. He joyfully lived out God's plan. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 17 says this. Even if I am to be poured out... As a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Now, I would doubt that as you and I, we've begun 2023, it's January 8th already. Some of you may have the practice and the routine of having New Year's resolutions. Maybe you don't write them down, but they're kind of in your head, um, and you've, you've started on some of those already. I doubt that any of us put on our New Year's resolutions, either on paper, on our phone, or in our head, God, help me to be poured out as a drink offering this year. It's typically not something that we search after. It's not normal. We, we don't like to be uh, in, in suffering. We don't really want to be persecuted for our faith. But this was Paul's calling. He is writing from prison, and he says, listen, I may... may very well be poured out as a drink offering, offering, but listen, I am glad and I rejoice. And I pray that whatever God leads you through, that you will choose. This may not be Audrey's journey, it may not be Josh Fox's journey, it may not be Barbara's journey, but this is my journey and God, I want to follow you with joy. I want to accept that you're sovereign, you have a plan. I may not see have all the pieces come together, but Lord, I want to follow you with the best I can, like Paul did, and joyfully live out God's plan. But it didn't stop there. Notice also in the very next verse, Philippians 2.18, he faithfully led others to live out God's plan. So as we do that, as we receive, okay, God, this you have a sovereign plan, and I see 
I may not understand everything, but I know that you're in control, and I want to live joyfully for you. As you and I do that, we'll have influence in other people's lives, and we should be intentional about it in encouraging them and leading them, sometimes confronting them, lifting them up and praying with them of, listen, follow God's plan for your life. It's worth it. Notice Philippians 2.18. Likewise, Paul says, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Now, they weren't even in prison. But it wasn't the most, uh, uh, the easiest time to live for Christ. So Paul says, listen, I am writing this. Yes, I may be, very well be poured out as a drink offering and, and suffer as I am in prison. And I, he didn't know what was ahead of him. But I'm glad and I rejoice with you all. And likewise, I want you to rejoice. Then the rest of the book, he goes through, and we'll see a part, I believe it's Philippians 3, about spirit-filled living. And he wants us, God wants us, just like Paul did, to faithfully lead others to live out God's plan. A few verses you're going to see on the screen. Notice 1 Corinthians 4.16. I urge you then, be imitators of me, Paul said. Be imitators of me. In 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, it says, be imitators of me, and this is crucial, as I am of Christ. So as we continue to grow in Christ, as we continue to be disciples of Jesus Christ, then we can be disciple makers and say, listen, you can follow me. As far as I'm following Christ, I want you to imitate me as well. We also see in Philippians 3.17, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. To the Thessalonian church, in 1 Thessalonians 1.5, it says, Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Notice, you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. I'm very thankful, and I want you to, to truly believe me, I'm very thankful for many of the resources that we have online. Spiritually speaking, there's a lot of Wicked and bad stuff for sure. More wicked than good. But there's a lot of good resources that we have as well. And so any day of the week, any moment of the day, we can look online and we can do podcasts, we can hear preaching, we can hear good music to edify our, our hearts and souls. Isn't that a blessing? Amen. But don't forget that God wants you to live out your faith among those who see you personally, who spend time with you, who know you aren't perfect, who don't just hear your, your, your well-curated thoughts and songs and everything else that maybe just is online. Does that make sense? So live it out and encourage others to do, to do the same. And just like Paul says, we didn't just give it to you in word, but you saw what kind of men we were among you. And I pray that we would live exactly like that. There's a story that was told. This was back um, in the 20th century, but a man by the name of Eric Fellman made a trip to, he was headed to China. They, they stopped in Hong Kong. And he, a friend was with him who you know, knew some people there, some believers in Hong Kong, and they, they had a stop in Hong Kong before going into China. And so the friend led him down an alley, and they, they came to the door, knocked on the door, and a man in his 60s came and and he was, you know, very, uh, right away, a very friendly man, but you could tell that he was even more aged than in his 60s. He was almost doubled over. And Eric Feldman learned that he had been in Chinese uh, labor camp, prison, for many, many years. And as they were sitting there, they 
were at the table and there was another lady. The, the, the man's wife came out and began to serve them some tea and some things. And Eric began to notice that the couple, they just would, you know, they would kind of look at each other in a different way and, and just affectionately touch one another. And he just found it kind of odd that this couple in their 60s seemed like they were dating almost. And he kind of looked to his friend, and, and the couple started to giggle a little bit, and they noticed that Eric was a little uncomfortable and then trying to figure, you know, figure him out. And the friend explained, he says, Listen, in 1949, this gentleman that's here we're visiting the home was in Nanking Seminary. He was a seminary student. And on their wedding, they were engaged, and on their wedding rehearsal day, the communists came in, seized the seminary, and sent the seminary students to a labor camp. They weren't able to have a wedding, but once a year, this bride-to-be was allowed to meet and, and visit her fiancé. But then once a year after she left, the man was then asked, if you only will renounce Jesus Christ, you can go and marry your bride. But every year, for decades, he said no, no. But eventually he was released and now this couple in their 60s, they were newlyweds. They'd been engaged for all of these years for decades, but now they're newlyweds. And so Eric looked at the guy and he says, how could you do that? How for decades could you deny yourself of a family? You could deny yourself of freedom. You could deny yourself of all those things. And the Chinese man looked back at him and he says, well, it's pretty simple. After all that Jesus Christ has done for me, the least that I could do for him was not to reject my Savior. Now, you know what impact this had on Eric? Eric expected that as they were in this home that the Chinese man would probably encourage him and challenge him to smuggle Bibles into China and take some things that he wasn't supposed to take spiritually. And he had already kind of been thinking in his head, okay, how can I justify not doing this? You know, this, is, this isn't completely legal. And, and so, but then after he heard that story, he said, hey, I'll, I'm willing to take whatever into China you want. As far as Bibles, religious materials, pack it up, and I, I, I'm willing to make the, the sacrifice and take the risk. And in God's sovereignty, the Lord allowed him to do that. He wasn't searched. He had decided he wasn't going to lie about it, but just face whatever consequences. He was able to get a lot of Bibles into China. But that Chinese couple, their example, helped Eric Fellman to do just a small part in advancing the cause of Christ. And God wants you and I to do that as well. As we live for him, as we stand up, maybe as we're mistreated at work or in school or on a sports team, and as others see our reaction and see, man, that person is different, and why is he or she different? Well, it's because of Jesus Christ. Then we can encourage other believers to do the same, just like Paul did. Joyfully lived out God's plan, but he faithfully led others to do the same. Now, parents, I ask you, could you... Look at your children and say, listen, kids, imitate me. Imitate me. I hope you can. There, there are many times where I think I could say that, but then there are other times where I would not tell my kids to imitate me, right? Now, what about students? As you, some, of them, some of you students are, come to this very room, and you come to the classrooms here in this building. Others are at other public and private schools all throughout Metro Atlanta and Kennesaw State University and Georgia Highland College. And, but as you are, interact with other students, could you tell those students, listen, imitate me? Singles, are you looking for opportunities in your circles of influence to be able to intentionally 
be disciple makers and tell others and encourage others, listen, imitate me as I imitate Jesus Christ. If you can't say that, then there's a problem. Because God wants you to experience true happiness through serving, knowing your position in Christ, knowing that God wants to unify us in him, and then humbly serving, and just like Paul is, living out God's plan for your life, whatever, whatever that may be, but then lead, leading others to do the same. So he joyfully lived out God's plan, but he led others to do the same. Now, in this same passage, we see some fruit of this. Timothy, Paul calls a son in the faith, and Paul spent much of his minister, ministerial life investing and in mentoring other people in the gospel. Yes, he was probably one of the greatest missionaries that ever lived, and he, and he traveled and helped God use him to start many churches. But all along, he had people around him that he was investing in. Think of Silas. Think of Barnabas. Think of John Mark. Think of Timothy. All of these people, Luke, spent much time with Paul. So join me now as we look at Timothy a little bit in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 19. Who was he, first of all? Philippians 2.19 says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. Well, we learned some things in Acts 16.1. We learned that, first of all, he's from uh, Lystra. Says, Acts 16.1 says, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. And in 2 Timothy, we learn a little bit more about his, his mom. It says, 2 Timothy 1.5, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. Now it's very possible that in, Tim, in Paul's first missionary journey, um, they were in Iconium, they, they were seeing God work, but then uh, there were some, some unbelieving Jews that got angry and threatened to stone him and his co-workers. So they left Iconium. They went into Lystra on its first missionary journey. And it's very possible that all three, Lois, Eunice, and Timothy, it's very possible that all three of them accepted Christ during that first visit that Paul had in Lystra. Because now we see Paul's going back through Lystra. Timothy has grown in the faith and eventually becomes a co-worker with Paul, even pastoring the Ephesian church. But think about this. In 2 Timothy 3.15 says, And how from childhood you have been acquainted, Paul's talking about Timothy, how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So what it appears is that Lois... And Eunice, the grandma, and the mom were teaching Timothy the Old Testament scriptures, what they had available, and that prepared the way for Timothy to open his heart. Obviously, the Lord did the work, but for him to have that, that base foundation of the Old Testament scriptures, the prophecies of the Messiah, and then as they heard the gospel clearly presented through Jesus Christ, very possible that all three accepted Christ as their Savior, and now Timothy is a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. I think, you know, beyond the, the obvious applications, I think this passage is a hope-filled passage for several reasons. We don't see a lot about Timothy's dad. In fact, he's not mentioned in other parts of Scripture. It says that he was a Greek, but it's very probable that he was not a believer because nothing is mentioned about his faith in Christ or his service for Christ. 
Maybe even he had died at this point. The, the grammar in the original languages could indicate, and when it says his father was a Greek, the way it's written could indicate that maybe he had already died at this point. But nonetheless, I think this brings a lot of hope to single dads and single moms who want their children to grow up in Jesus Christ to know that God can use you. Are there unique challenges? Absolutely. Even for spouses who have an unbelieving spouse. Continue and say, God, help me to be a Lois. Help me to be a Eunice. And help me as best as I can to invest in my children and bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Not necessarily to be a Timothy, but to do whatever you called them to do. Remember God's plan for their life, whether it's to be a pastor or a plumber or a nurse or a teacher, whatever it may be, that they would be faithful for God's work. So we see a little bit about Timothy. Now, what about Paul calls him his beloved son in 2 Corinthians 4.17. He calls him my own son in the faith, 1 Timothy 1, chapter 2. So those are some indications that probably Paul had a very integral part in seeing Timothy come to Christ. But what was he like? What were some of the characteristics of Timothy's life? We see that he was focused, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 20, on others. He was focused on others. For Philippians 2.20 says, For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. That is a, a very powerful description of Timothy's life. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Philippians 2 verses 3 through 5 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. That's the example of Jesus Christ and Paul's challenging Timothy and us to have that same mindset. And Timothy did. He was concerned for the well-being of others. In other parts of Scripture, we see that he was sent to Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 4, 17, he was sent to Corinth to help the Corinthian church. He was sent to the Thessalonican, Thessalonican church in 1 Thessalonians 3, 2 to help the, the church in Thessalonica. He was sent to the, the church in, in Ephesus. He was pastor of the Ephesian church for a while. So Timothy's, his life was, he, again, wasn't perfect, but yet he was focused on others and he wanted to serve. And Paul says, listen, continue, do it, exercise the gift and the calling that God has given you. Think of a, of a man by the name of Dave Hansen. We first, I first met Dave in Macon, Georgia. I was in high school. But Dave was a banker with SunTrust, now Truist. And Dave's specific job was SunTrust would send him to cities and specific branches that were, that were dying. I mean, they were just bottoming out, not doing well at all. And Dave's job was to go into the branch and, and serve that branch and the people and their clients to build back up that branch to be profitable again. And then after a few years, they would send him somewhere else. How about that for a job? Hey, I've got a big problem branch for you. Why don't you go there next? So he was in Macon, Georgia for a while. Then he was in uh, Winter Garden outside of Orlando, Florida for a while. Then he was in Nashville, Tennessee for a while. And every place, his job was to build up and to, again, make profitable. Now, thank God he was a, and still is, a very faithful and God-honoring Christian through it all. 
So whether you're a Timothy and a preacher in the church of Ephesus or a banker like Dave Hansen or a, a school uh, person here at Northwest Classical, wherever you may be, be focused on others and building and changing and doing what you can for Jesus Christ. That was Timothy's model. He was focused on others, but also on the Lord. Look with me, Philippians 2, verse 21. For they all seek their own interests, Paul says, not those of Jesus Christ. So he's making a comparison here. I don't have anybody else who's going to be more genuinely concerned about your welfare, but I want to send to you Timothy. And others aren't going to be concerned as much about Jesus Christ, but the understanding is, but Timothy will. He's not only focused on others, but he's focused on the Lord. There's no evidence that Timothy ever got married. So it's possible that maybe Timothy's calling was to remain single. And that that is a biblical calling for some. And it should not be diminished. It can be a very high and worthy calling to be single for Christ's sake and to serve him with all of your life. And it's possible that Timothy was in that condition. There's no, no rec- or, or, there's no evidence that he was ever married. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7.32, He that is unmarried careth for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. Timothy's life certainly reflected that. And maybe that's where you're at. He was focused on others and on the Lord. But he's also faithful. Notice Philippians chapter 2, verses 22 and 23. He was faithful in his service. Faithful in his service. But you know, Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And at this point, he had served with Paul for about 10 years. So this just wasn't like a quick internship. But he had proven himself faithful and had served for about 10 years. So he was proving himself faithful in his service, but also in his sacrifice. Look at Philippians chapter 2 and verse 2. Again, Paul is challenging Timothy um, and and the, the Philippian church. But he says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. The verses after that go on to talk about how Christ... And endured the cross, was obedient to death, even to death on the cross. And Timothy was willing to sacrifice for the Lord's work. As an adult man, he was circumcised. So there wouldn't be any obstacles because he you know, was born of a Jewish mom and a Greek dad. Um, but as, a, as an adult man, as an adult disciple, was circumcised, there would be no obstacle as he advanced the gospel. We see that in Acts 16, 1 through 3. That's a sacrifice. We see in Hebrews 12, or 13, verse 23, you should know that our brother Timothy has been released. So for some period of time, Timothy was also in prison. Says, your brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon, the writer of Hebrews says. See that he was faithful in his sacrifice. Then we come in Philippians 2 to another individual. But before we get to him, I want to ask you how many of you know someone personally by the name of Paul, Timothy, James, John, Philip, or Matthew? Raise your hand. If you know someone, personally, by the name of one of those. Okay, look around. Keep your hands up. Look around. Awesome. Okay, how about, how many of you know someone personally by the name of Epaphroditus? 
But other than that, have we met an Epaphroditus? Right? No. So these others, you know, that, that are they're very popular, and, and, we, and are, even to this day, the names are, are still around, and we, you know, we, we use these biblical names a lot, but not Epaphroditus. But yet we see some important lessons from the life of Epaphroditus in this section of Scripture. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 25, we see uh, selfless service. Selfless service in Philippians 2 verse 25. Paul says, I have thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus. And then notice the descriptions. My brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. A couple things that as, as we think about Epaphroditus, if it had not been for Paul and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, including Epaphroditus in this section, I can pretty much guarantee you that none of us would even recognize his name. Because he's not mentioned anywhere else. He's only mentioned Philippians. He wasn't an apostle or an elder. Um, but he was considered by Paul to be all those things that we just read. Uh, you know, a, a fellow worker, my brother, fellow soldier, your messenger and minister to my need. I, I think even the reference to fellow soldier is interesting. It's not too uncommon for us to refer to each, other's, uh, to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Sometimes we'll even say, hey, brother. How you doing, brother? In some churches, it's very, very common, especially here in the South. And as we would visit churches during our deputation time before we went to Brazil, we saw a lot of different personalities in churches. And in some churches, everybody is brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so. Well, brother Dave and sister Kim... How you doing this morning? And that's just what everybody is. And eventually, it just goes to brother and sister. I think maybe you forget everybody's name. So you just say, hey, brother, hey, sister. You don't have to remember everybody's names. But how often do we say, hey, soldier? Hmm. Hey, fellow soldier. You ready to fight? You ready to defend the faith? Well, yes. I mean, I know we're soldiers. But it's not as common because that's a little more, it's a little more challenging to think about. I'm a fellow soldier of Jesus Christ. I won't go into this in depth, but it, when you have a minute, at some point look up Navy SEALs and the training they go through. And part of their training is that they never leave a fellow SEAL behind. They stick close, and even if others were, are killed in combat, they risk their lives to try to get that seal out. As we see what we and here, Paul is saying, listen, Epaphroditus, he is not just a brother, he's not just a minister, he's not just a messenger, but he is a soldier for Jesus Christ. And Epaphroditus, we're going to see here in a few minutes, he risked his life for Christ and for Paul. So we see selfless service, but we also see sacrificial service. Philippians chapter 2, verses 26 and following. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, Paul says. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious." You can see that the people in the Philippian church had heard that Epaphroditus had been very ill and very sick. 
And they, some of them were very concerned, uh, maybe even a little, you know, it's hard to tell, but maybe even a little frustrated with Paul that Epaphroditus was there and not, not you know, with him. It's, it's hard to say, but Paul, in the end, says, listen, I want to send him back because I know that will be an encouragement to you. But yes, even to the point of death, Epaphroditus has served Christ and me faithfully. Philippians 4.18 says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, Paul says, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. You know, this is, this idea of a sacrificial service, this goes very much against our cultural Christianity. Our cultural Christianity is, yeah, I love Jesus as long as I'm comfortable. I love Jesus as long as there's not much sacrifice. I love Jesus as long as there's not much, you know, that's going to be inconvenient. It goes against that to say, no, many times God calls us for sacrificial service. This goes against something that that some of you in this room are very familiar with, but the prosperity gospel movement so prevalent in Brazil, especially through the universal reign of God church. There's There's even one of their churches in Marietta. And that the theme, one of the main themes of their church is stop the suffering. Well, sometimes Jesus leads us through suffering. And many times, not only that church, but other prosperity gospel churches will preach, if you're sick, it's a demon that needs to be expelled. You know, if you have money problems, well, begin to tithe on the salary that you want, and God will be obligated to give you more money and a higher salary. If you just have enough faith, sell your house, and he'll give you a bigger one. You know, all these promises. If there's marital problems, well, it's a demon that needs to be expelled. And some husbands and wives go, yeah, that that demon (laughs) needs to be expelled. No, that's not the idea. But that's the whole thought of the prosperity gospel is, I want comfort, I want success, I want all this for me. And yes, Jesus, by the way, yeah, as long as you give me all that, then yeah, uh, you're okay. But Epaphroditus was, no, I'm willing to risk my life to serve Christ and to serve others. So as Paul talks to the Philippian church, he, tell, he gives them some specific instructions. This is how you are to receive Epaphroditus back in your midst. Join with me in Philippians chapter 2. It will be on the screen also. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. I I don't know about you, but I'm encouraged by the fact that Epaphroditus is mentioned here. And like I said before, if if God had not chosen to lead Paul to write on the administration of the Holy Spirit about Epaphroditus, we wouldn't know his name. He's not mentioned anywhere else. He wasn't a famous Christian, but yet God was well pleased with his life. And many of us are Epaphrodituses of this world. We may not have all the fame. We may not be you know, well-known. We know people may not be named after us. But listen, God knows you well. And God honors faithful service. We, we see a, a kind of an illustration of this even in our history here in America. World War I, there's over 100,000 casualties in that war. Up to that point, 
it was very clear that, that all uh, servicemen that could be retrieved, even when they, when they died, would be flown back to the United States of America to be buried during World War I as thousands upon thousands upon thousands died uh, across the seas. It became more difficult. The United States was still, uh, still dedicated to doing that to any family that desired. The fam- all they had to do was say, yes, I want the remains of my loved one to be flown back anywhere in the United States, and the government would do it, and, th- and should. But they also had a choice that they could have their loved ones buried in permanent American cemeteries in France and other places of Europe, and some chose to do that. But after the war was over, December of 1920, a New York congressman, his name was Hamilton Fish Jr. He was a World War I veteran. And he proposed a, a, a law, proposed a, a, you know, an action that would bring one unidentified soldier back from Europe to be buried in Arlington Cemetery to honor many, many thousands of soldiers who were not identified and who died in combat. That law was passed. So in October 24th of 1921, by that time, four, the remains of four soldiers had been exhumed in, other, in parts of France, brought to the city hall of Chalons-sur-Marne, France, and on that day, uh, there was a sergeant, his name was Sergeant Edward Younger. Uh, he was with the American forces in Germany, and he was chosen to, to choose which one, which casket, and the remains of which soldier, unidentified soldier, would be sent back to the United States of America to be buried in Arlington Cemetery, and he did that. He, he chose the remains. So by a horse-drawn carriage, then the remains uh, after a special ceremony there in France, the remains were, were taken to a port. Then the Navy cruiser USSS, or USS uh, Olympia took the remains all the way back to Washington, D.C. The remains, that casket then lay in state uh, for a, a time in the rotunda, the capital. 90,000 people came to show their respect to this unknown soldier. Because it wasn't just him, but he represented so many more that were not recognized, had not had special ceremonies or funerals, but yet in his, symbolically, his body was, was recognized. And then after a special ceremony on November 11th of 1921, he was buried in the tomb of the unknown soldier in Arlington Cemetery. Originally, it was just a, a, a simple marble slab but eventually, and I think the next slide will show it, eventually this more ornate uh, monument was, was built up on top. And notice what it says. Here rests in honored glory an American soldier known but to God. You'll need to notice the next picture. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, that tomb is guarded every moment of the day without fail. It doesn't matter the weather. It doesn't matter if there's a tornado, hurricane, snowstorm. There are always soldiers guarding the tomb of the unknown soldier. You can't see it because of the snow, but in front of the tomb, there are now also other slabs from World War II. There was, was for a time, Vietnam War, but then they were later able to identify that body, uh, but then also the Korean War. And in a way, now why all the formality? Why all the trouble? Well, it's to show thankfulness and respect to someone who was unknown and many who were unknown but who served their country. You know, you and I may not be enlisted. We may not 
uh, ever fight a war physically, but we are part of God's army. We are soldiers for Jesus Christ, and we may be unknown to the majority, but you are very well known to God. Look at this last verse in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10. For God is not unjust, so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. As you faithfully serve God, he notices, and it will bring you true joy even in the midst of suffering. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes as we pray this morning?